Welcome to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Sharon Rasinowitz, Director of Content Marketing at ChartHop. Sharon, it is so great to have you on the show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit about ChartHop. ChartHop is a people analytics platform that brings together disparate sources of people data into one single platform that's both visual and actionable. This really helps people teams dig into data and understand all of the information on their company in context. What also really sets ChartHop apart is that it's designed to be used by everyone in the organization. This is unlike a lot of other HR solutions that are just meant for the HR team. And that means that individuals in the company can go in, access their data, do things like performance reviews with their managers, and really have a one-stop shop to go to find their information, which also saves a lot of time for the people team as well. I think most of the time, if you work at a company, HR, it's like a mystery. Like you have no idea exactly what they're doing or what they have on you. That sounds good to just have more transparency and be able to, you know, access essentially your own data at any time and, and be able to ask questions about it and all that sort of thing. Yeah, it takes away that black box experience, which makes such a big difference. And now before we dive into our topic, tell us about a memorable marketing moment that you've experienced in your career. Yeah, so I'll actually give you two that are kind of the same. I've actually had the opportunity to do a rebrand and website launch twice, both of which were incredible experiences, um, both from a learning perspective and to be able to see the output and the change and especially being able to do it the second time around, bring all of those lessons learned from the first time. I can say without a doubt, the process went a lot smoother. The results were just incredible. And just seeing the splash that we made in the market and how everyone responded to it, and especially the tools that we were able to give the entire marketing team as a result of the rebrand to really level up everything that we were doing and, and how we presented ourselves to our audience was just very exciting to see and extremely rewarding. I think any, anyone in marketing can relate. You know, because that's a heavy, big lift to do a rebrand and a, and a and and so many things can and do go sideways during the process, right? And just to get to the finish line and then launch it and see people react positively, hey, that's a good feeling. Yeah, it's one of those projects that when you're in it, it's it's rough, but you know the the end mm -hmm. result will be worth it. Most things worth doing are hard, right? And don't are not always fun in the moment, but when they when the, you, they work out in the end, it's pretty pretty great, pretty awesome. Well, thanks for sharing that. On to our featured topic for this episode, and that's producing evocative content. And we're using that word evocative because that came up the other week when we met to prepare for this episode. And I was asking you about, you know, what are you guys focused on? What what are some of your more interesting challenges? And one of the things you said was creating evocative content. And as someone who was trained as a writer, I, I perk up when I hear an interesting word like that. So let's just start right there. What does that mean, evocative content? So for me and my team, that really means creating content that hits an emotion. 
It's anything that garners a reaction. That could be making someone laugh, uh, having them feel overwhelmed with the, the current situation or excited about the prospect of something that can resolve that situation or even just something that leaves them really curious to learn more about something. It's anything that really creates a connection because that makes the content so much more memorable. One of the real big benefits here is that it also inserts the audience into the content experience. So rather than passively consuming something, which we've all been there, think, you know, you're, you're just reading something on your screen, you're scrolling through kind of mindlessly. They're actually actively consuming the content because they feel like they're a part of the story that you're telling. Uh, and that makes the content infinitely more meaningful to the audience's day-to-day, -day, uh, and it means that it's going to stick with them even after they're done engaging with it. Give us an example of what that looks like, like a piece of content you guys have published that you think works really well in that way. What does it look like? We, we do a lot here. I think video is one of the places where it comes across, especially because you're able to bring in more dimensionality, but you can do it in a lot of ways in, in words leaping off a page. For example, we, we have a very successful newsletter that someone on our team runs. The way that we get the emotion in there is he's really on the ground listening to what people are telling him, solving real problems, and really obsessing over making sure that there's a problem that he's hitting on in that content and giving a solution versus trying to push our own agenda. And that's time and again, what's going to make the content meaningful to someone and, and really push on them. The other thing that's huge is bringing in personality and not just, uh, you know, sounding like a B2B robot, if you will. It's very easy to get caught up in jargon and other industry terms and trying to sound professional. What you really want is tr to try to sound human and remember that there's a person on the other side and create that connection with them. Every good story needs to have some kind of conflict to really get someone invested in it and keeping that in mind as well. Okay, so you mentioned a few interesting things there. One is writing about content that's focused on your audience and their problems and not just about you. And that makes perfect good sense. And so give us an even more specific example, example if you can, of one of those kind of problems. Like in the most recent newsletter you guys have sent out, what's an example of something that you focused on that, that's of interest to your audience, a problem they're trying to solve? And like help us understand how you presented it in a way that's not just useful, but also is going to tap into their emotions. Absolutely. I mean, one that was, I think, particularly evocative recently was we spoke about uh, layoffs. We've all seen there's a lot of layoffs happening in the tech industry. Our audience is people teams. So really talking about how to approach layoffs thoughtfully. It's not something that anyone wants to do, but if you're in a situation where you have to do it, how do you do it well? How do you make it so that it's as positive an experience as possible for everyone involved, knowing that it's never going to be a positive experience for anyone involved and kind of talking through what are the mistakes that people have made and then bringing in real life examples of that as well. Um, I think we've all seen 
the articles where companies have not handled layoffs well? And then, you know, what, what lessons can you learn and how can you do it in a way that's not going to, you know, harm, harm the reputation of your company, but really more so be thoughtful to the people who are on the other end of it and thinking that, you know, this is going to be hard for them and putting them in the spotlight to understand that you have to think about those individuals first and foremost. I'm sort of hearing two things there. One is writing about something that's topical and that you know that people in your in the industry you're selling into are dealing with, so layoffs. And that's just a matter of staying on top of trends and really what's going on in the industry, right? And then I like what you mentioned about using specific examples, because that sounds like that's really key to tapping into people's emotions, to ground them in examples that feature actual people and companies. And so it's not just theoretical. It's like, well, here's the thing that actually happened and here's what we think about it. That's huge. Everyone needs to be able to see themselves in the story in some way or another to make it relatable. Having that connection makes a big difference. It sounds like those are very effective techniques and not overly complicated or anything. I mean, it would sound like any marketing team that set their mind to it could do that. Right. Or, or am I wrong? I mean, talk us through a little bit sort of what it takes to do that well, because I, I'm assuming like there are better and worse ways to do that. What are some of the more interesting challenges when it comes to finding good examples, say, or coming up with the right story to tell in the first place? It sounds really simple in theory, but it's very easy to get lost in the busyness of the day-to-day. So it really requires good planning, investing time up front to think through content before just jumping in to create it. And it requires keeping a pulse on what's going on, really getting to know your audience. And really, very importantly, it requires good editing and committing to delivering quality content above all else. One of the ways that we pause to think through this at ChartHop is with what we call a good content rubric. And that rubric outlines five pillars of what we've deemed to be high quality content, one of which is sparking emotion. And it's a step in the editing process that allows us to really purposefully think through whether or not we're creating some kind of connection with our audience. And it's something that having it written down and having it in front of us allows us to be, again, very purposeful to make sure that we're making that connection as opposed to just knowing it's something that we want to do. It makes us commit to it. Right. Because ultimately you might find a story where I'm sure it's all too common for you or other teams to like find a story like, Ooh, that's a good juicy one. But if you botch the presentation, it might not work. Right. So how you present it, how long the story is, how short, how you add images or not, every little detail matters in terms of how deeply it connects with an audience, I imagine. Absolutely. And the other piece that you hit on in there is keeping the audience front and center, not only in the planning process, but at every step of the way, remembering who they are and that the story is for them and not for you or your marketing team. You might think something is amazing, but you know you have to put on the hat of what your audience is really looking for and what they need at the moment. That's always so key. By the way, when you mentioned that particular example, what came to mind to me immediately was that incident. I can't remember the company, but I'm sure you probably know what I'm talking about. That guy who fired like a whole bunch of people on a call, like a like a group call in just the most cold hearted way. 
you know, like it was all over the news and LinkedIn had a whole thing about it. I mean, boy, that, and, and I remember that really strikes a chord, you know, even if you're not in HR, I remember feeling just kind of outraged, like, oh my God, like what a, what a jerk, you know, you feel bad for those people. I mean, so like there are a lot of, I want to say good stories out there. That's a good a story about a bad thing that happened, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. And I, that, that example was in uh, this newsletter where we spoke about layoffs is a prime example of what not to do. Now, how do you know if you're succeeding? How do you know if the content you're putting out there is in fact connecting with your audience in an emotional way? It's tough. Content is hard to measure and adding emotion into that is even more difficult. And the truth is you're never really going to be able to truly measure the emotional reaction of your audience, but you can look at certain signals to understand if your content is performing in the way that you intend it to. So for example, content that sparks emotion should be memorable. And just like an amazing book or movie that you just don't want to end, it should leave you wanting more. One area to consider measuring is the stickiness of your content. How many return visits does your site get? What does re-engagement look like among your audience? Do you have a lot of one and done site visitors or is it people who are constantly coming back? And are they taking steps to not just find your content, but to get notified when you release new pieces? If you're really doing it well, your audience will let you know. They'll not just seek out your content, but they'll find ways to engage with your team and not necessarily even from a sales perspective, because that's definitely great, but that's not always the goal of content. Content is very long tail. And sometimes it's really just about establishing that trusting relationship with your audience. Ways that you can measure this engagement, think about, are people interacting with your content on LinkedIn? Are they sharing your content with, your, with their network? That is huge because it means that they want other people to see the value here. Or are they even responding to an email newsletter to let you know that they like the content? I know that sounds crazy, but the power of good content can really surprise you. We have had people respond to our weekly newsletter saying that they find a lot of value in it. And that that's a really strong indicator that it's evoking an emotion in them. And, and as you said, sharing, right? Clearly, when people share something, it struck a chord in them somehow. They felt it's worth, oh, it, all the people that I connect with should take a look at this, right? There's something there probably beyond just mere, like, there's some good information here. That's part of it. But it's also like, well, this is interesting. It's, you know, beyond just the kind of the intellectual part of it. Now, we've said a few times that this is about your audience and the way to connect is to always put the audience first, which I, I think is always true. On the other hand, I know like when I post content sometimes, especially when I'm, uh, if it's an article that I've read, to a certain degree, it's a little bit about me insofar as it's something that I find interesting, you know, or that sparks something in me. And then you have to make that calculation like, okay, is it just me? Can I kind of reasonably judge that the people in my network or my audience will also, you know, find this interesting or maybe not in the exact same way, but you know what I mean? So it's like a little bit about you. At least you have to make that initial judgment. Like you're not, you're probably not going to share something that you don't have any interest in at all. You're, you're aligned with your audience to a certain degree, both in what interests you. Right? Am I right? Like, so th that maybe that's like just a slightly different way of thinking about that. 
it's very much about your audience, but it's also a little bit about you and your judgments and your interests, right? Definitely. Because if you're not interested and if you don't feel that emotional connection, that's going to come across as well. The more passionate that you are about something, the more excited that you get about it, that really shines through. In any medium of content, the creator's vision and voice, you can tell when it's a real passion project for them. So it's a passion that you share with your audience and you get to that place by getting to know your audience very well. And one of the ways that you get to know your audience in the first place is by sharing stuff that you feel that they're going to be interested in. And then, and then it, some of it works, some of it doesn't, but it's sort of, so there is some trial and error here too, right? A lot of trial and error. It's a lot of risk taking because yeah. evocative content also isn't safe content. Uh, and you have to be comfortable taking those risks, knowing that not everything is going to pan out, that some things as you're doing them are going to feel potentially uncomfortable. But if you don't go through that stretch, you're not going to get the reward. Uh, and that kind of goes back to what we were talking about before with the rebrand, that anything worth doing is hard. Especially if you're not just sharing and saying like, hey, this is interesting, but having an opinion about it and kind of taking a stand, then some people will agree, some won't. That can be a good thing or not, depending on exactly how you do it. Exactly. And I mean, the, the disagreement is also an emotion and something that's going to make people curious. And as long as you do it where you're not offending anyone, everyone's entitled to their opinions. And, and that in and of itself is evocative content. What's your advice for marketing teams that want to that want to do a better job of creating evocative content and connecting emotionally with their audience? I would say don't be afraid to take risks. Creating evocative content requires a really strong personality. It requires attention to detail. It takes time to get it right. There is a lot of trial and error in it. It requires investing in the process and being willing to iterate over time. And I would say it builds on itself. So the more you do, the better results you're, you'll see. But again, it's that investment, it's that time, it's that willingness to take risks and to really think outside the box. And you need to have a good support system that allows you to take that time and take those risks because not everything mm -hmm. is going to pay off. And by good support system, I assume you mean a leadership that is behind you and understands what you're doing and supports it. Absolutely. Sharon, thank you so much for all that and for your time. Really enjoyed our conversation. I learned a lot. Thank you. Thank you. It was great to be here. Thanks for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.